You're listening to the Cradled in Hope podcast, where we believe that the hope of heaven through faith in Jesus Christ has the power to heal our hearts after the loss of the baby. It's a pain no mother should have to endure, and we want this podcast to be a safe place for your broken heart to land. Here, we are going to trust God's promise to restore our joy, use our grief for good, and allow us to spend eternity with our babies in heaven. I'm your host, Ashley Obliger. I'm a wife, mom, and follower of Christ clinging to the hope of heaven. My daughter, Bridget, was stillborn at 24 weeks in my first pregnancy in 2014. In her memory, my husband and I started a nonprofit ministry called Bridget's Cradle, and God has given us purpose in our pain, and we've seen beauty come from ashes. Although we wish you didn't have a need to be listening to this podcast, we believe God has a reason for you to be here today. We pray this time would be a source of healing for you as we remember that Jesus cradles us in hope while He cradles our babies in heaven. Though we may grieve, we do not grieve without hope. Welcome to the Cradled in Hope podcast. Hi, everyone. I am so honored to introduce to you today our very first special guest to the Cradled in Hope podcast, my friend, Alicia Illion. Alicia is the founder of a ministry called Women Repurposed and the author of a book called Chasing Perfect. She is an avid teacher and student of the Bible, and her heart is to inspire women toward a deeper knowledge and love of God. Her greatest passion is to disciple women as they learn to walk with their Savior. I know you are going to be so blessed by the conversation that we had about how to find peace and pursue Jesus after a miscarriage. Let's welcome Alicia Illion. Welcome, Alicia. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Ashley. I'm so excited to be having this conversation with you. <laughs> yes, I know. I know it's such a hard topic and, you know, reliving that pain and the grief that you walked through, but I'm just so thankful that you're willing to be vulnerable and share your story. And so I just want to jump in and ask you to share your story and a little bit more about yourself and the children that you have on earth and the child that you have in heaven. Sure. Yes. I would be glad to. So, um, my husband and I have been married, I'm going to say like 15 years now, like you kind of lose track after 10. It's like, is it a dozen? Is it like, I know we're headed towards 20. feels like a long time, but it goes really fast. We've been married for about 15 years and we have three kids. Um, we got started real quickly. So I got pregnant five months after we were married with my first, um, his name is rain as in the Lord reigns. And, um, he is now a teenager, which is a whole new world for us. And, um, we're loving it. He, uh, has his ups and downs. So that's been a lot of fun to navigate, but, um, it is definitely making me more dependent on the Lord. <laughs> uh, and then we have our daughter who is 11 and, uh, our youngest son rogue. He is nine and he lives up to his name. We call him rogue. Um, and we tell him it's because he was set apart for God. So he goes his own way and he definitely be careful what you name your kids. That's all yeah. I got to say. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so, uh, we love our family. They've been a huge, all of our kids have been a huge blessing to us. But, um, as you know, and you're familiar with Ashley, um, you know, you, I'm a planner by nature. I don't know about you, but I like to have everything planned out. And so in my mind, as a little girl, I was like, I'm going to get married when I'm 21, and I'm going to have like 10 kids. And then I had my first kid and I was like, well, maybe like 
six kids. And then I had my second kid and then I'm like, maybe like three kids. <laughs> but um, anyway, so I'm, I was such a planner. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is the way it's going to go. I'm going to have my first and then my second and third. And, um, and so, you know, the Lord, he is good to me and that I say this, I don't like it, but he does stretch me and that, you know, he doesn't allow my plans always to go um, the way I think it should because he wants me dependent on him. And if everything always went according to Alicia's plan, I would naturally not be dependent upon him. And so um, one of those situations did happen after our first um, child, we didn't really have much of any complications with him. I got really sick with my first pregnancy, um, meaning I just was nauseous the whole time, uh, hooked up to IVs in my first trimester. I, I really wasn't prepared for that, but um, we got through it. We managed. And like, after you have your first child, you kind of forget all the hard things and you're like, I can do this again. It wasn't really that bad. <laughs> and so I got pregnant again. Um, I think it was about 10 months after having, um, rain our first and everything was going according to plan and, um, had my first sonogram and, um, it, everything was great with that. The heart rate was a little bit on the low side or slow side. Um, but they weren't concerned at all. And so I went in for my second appointment and I was sick again with the second pregnancy. Um, and so I thought, oh, the hormones are doing what they're supposed to do because they're making me really sick. Um, and I wasn't having any issues. So I went in around 11 and a half, 12 weeks. And I even told my husband, cause he'd gone to every single doctor's appointment with me. And I said, babe, you don't, you don't need to go in on this one. Um, it's going to be fine. You know, it's just going to be routine. Uh, we've already had the big first sonogram and, you know, he was busy at work. And so I went in, um, for that second sonogram fully, uh, expecting a very normal appointment. And, um, I, I just remember them just, they, they did the little sonogram and they could not find a heartbeat and they did it, um, not inside, but on the outside. And so, I mean, it just took them forever. And I just kept thinking, well, this is really weird because, you know, like normally they're supposed to probably find it pretty quickly at this point, it's 11 and a half weeks. And then I knew something was wrong when they're like, you know, we're going to have to actually go in and, and see if we can, um, hear the heartbeat with a sonogram. And so when they got in, they told me, they're like, you know, I'm so sorry, but you have lost, lost your baby. And I just, I just, it hit me because like, I, you know, wasn't prepared once again, like I'm a planner, if I can just have it all planned out and prepare myself, but that wasn't, wasn't what the Lord wanted. And so it kind of broadsided me a little bit. I wasn't bleeding. I wasn't, sorry, this is um, too much information, but like yeah. I wasn't having any issues. And so I called my husband at that point, he rushed in and my, my doctor, we were down in Texas at the time and she was so great. She's like, you're coming to the office, sit down with me and um, I'll let you just stay in there as long as you want. And that meant so much because what I discovered is that she told me she's like one in four pregnancies end up in miscarriage. And I was kind of taken back a little bit because I was like, what? Like nobody, nobody really talks about it, you know? And mm -hmm. you know, that kind of shocked me. I'm like one in four pregnancies, like that's a lot. You know, if you think about all the, the pregnancies that happen, um, then mis miscarriage is happening a lot. And she told me, she's like, yeah, this is the part of my job that I, I hate the most is having to tell um, these new, new moms that this information and, um, and I was just like, wow, like that's it in a strange way though. That was 
helpful to know that like, I wasn't alone, that this isn't just something that, um, doesn't ever happen. And it, you know, immediately I kind of felt guilt. Like, what did I do? You know, like, Mm -hmm. what did I, did I eat something wrong? Did I do something? Um, did I sniff the wrong paint (laughs) walking in the room painting her? Like, what did I do? You know, that caused this. And so, and I think that's, um, you know, that's horrible to have to deal with that guilt at the same time. But there was something that was really helpful about her coming in and saying, you know, that it happens very frequently and this is normal. And, you know, as I thought about it, I was like, yeah, this process of, um, pregnancy and a woman getting pregnant and the sperm and the egg coming together, of course it happens a lot. Like all the things that have to go into making a healthy pregnancy. It's amazing when you start reading about it. I mean, that it doesn't happen more. I mean, it's just, um, honestly, it made me think of how big our God is and how amazing he is to design something. Cause I really wanted to understand the whole process then at that point and how it all worked. And, and so, um, you know, I left, of course I was upset and grieving and I had to go through the initial shock of, you know, this baby that I, it's in, in the short 12 weeks that I, and I guess it wasn't even 12 weeks that I knew I was pregnant, like eight weeks at that point, I had already connected to this life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think that that is so designed by God that like the, that the mom and even my husband, you know, like he wasn't, he wasn't even carrying the child, but like he had formed a connection already to this life inside. It wasn't just a clump of cells, you know, like there was, there was something so meaningful and, and, um, intimate about that relationship that you have with that, um, that newborn and you start thinking about and preparing in your heart for what's going to happen. And then to have to go, okay, well, that wasn't God's plan. Um, and so I remember going back home and we decided to opt for a DNC, um, because of, um, just, I, my body had not realized it was pregnant, you know, it still thought it was pregnant. And so she was, I don't know how long it's going to take for your body to realize that you have miscarried. And I didn't want, you know, to have knowing that the baby was not alive at that point to be carrying the baby any longer. And so we did a DNC and we did all the genetic testing because, um, my mom had a pregnancy loss. Actually, her um, baby was born alive, my sister, um, and lived for seven hours. And so we kind of wanted to make sure that, you know, there wasn't something similar going on. And my son, my um, my sister has a son that has a neurogenetic um, syndrome called Angelman syndrome. And so there was just some things that we wanted to make sure um, weren't connected. And so we had the DNC. This turned into... Um, discovering that the baby had like twice the amount of chromosomes, which can lead to a molar pregnancy, which sometimes can turn into cancer. And so then I ended up having to have all these blood tests done um, to make sure that my hormones were dropping and that the cells weren't growing inside of me. And so not only was I, you know, grieving the loss of our pregnancy, it turned into, okay, this could be something very serious for my body. And now I've got to kind of consider how do I take care of that and start praying about like, well, Lord, you know, like, what does this mean for me now? And he was faithful to, there wasn't any complications and I'm, and I'm super thankful for that. Um, we ended up having to wait until the hormones were all back to normal. And then we were able to try again and got pregnant with my daughter. So she's my second. So this happened between my first and my second pregnancy. Um, and I will tell you, Ashley, like, and I think that you probably know this too, because we've, we've talked about this, but, um, you know, after this happened, 
I had so many women reach out to me and say, me too. You know, like I had a miscarriage too, or I had two or three miscarriages or, you know, all for yes. all different reasons. And I was like, wow, like, I wish I had known. And I don't know what it is. I'd love to hear your thoughts too, but like, why do we struggle to talk about this? Like, is it shame? Is it just not wanting to make people feel awkward or not know what to say? Or I just, I wish at that point, like the other women had shared so that I didn't feel alone as I was going through it. Yes. And I'm just so sorry you went through everything that you went through. And I'm so sorry for the loss of your precious baby. I, I, Myself, because I had, you know, complications in my pregnancy and was somewhat prepared um, for Bridget to pass away. My heart just breaks for women who, I mean, and that's hard in and of itself, you know, having the anticipatory grief and that those questions and walking that road of grief. But my heart is also so sensitive to moms who go into an appointment, you know, just expecting to hear their baby's heartbeat and nothing's wrong. You're not bleeding. You don't have any complications. And then to be blindsided with the worst news of your life. And like you said, no matter how many weeks you are, you're attached to that little baby. You have hopes, you have dreams, you're planning, and maybe you had already bought clothes or started thinking about the nursery, but you know, it's your motherly instinct to already be connected to that little life inside of you and to be thinking of them. And so I'm just so sorry that you experienced that and had to walk through that and be at that appointment without your husband. I know that must have been really hard. And I think that has made me even more heartbroken for the moms that have walked through this in COVID, um, you know, going to their appointments alone and finding out this news by themselves. Right. But to answer your question, I really think, I mean, I will say like from the time that I lost Bridget till now, which has been almost seven years. I do see that people are talking about it more and more. Um, Still, there's, I think, room for improvement and there's still a lot of people that aren't talking about it. And I think that kind of comes in with our culture's idea of not announcing pregnancies until after you're out of the first trimester. And so if you don't announce that you're pregnant until you're after 13 weeks and the majority of early miscarriages, you know, those are happening in the first 12 weeks then I think a lot of moms feel, you know, it's difficult to say, come out and say, well, I had a baby. I I miscarried when they hadn't even announced pregnancy yet. And so I actually am a really firm advocate and just passionate about announcing pregnancy early, which may sound interesting. Um, but like with our, our second child, our son, we announced at five weeks, which is like really early. Um, because I felt like for us, it was like, this life is a life. And no matter what happens, if he passes away or we have a miscarriage, I want to talk about it. And I want to talk about his life and he's my child. And so I do see the tides turning a little bit as there's more organizations and more people blogging and writing on social media. Um, but it's kind of like what you said, when the nurse told you, you know, there's one in four pregnancies that end in loss until you've gone through it. I don't think your eyes are open to that because I certainly think before I lost Bridget, that was happening, but I didn't, I wasn't aware of it. I didn't know anybody. Um, but then I went through it and then I realized, wow, this is happening to so many women. And so I think you just become even more aware of it once you walk through it and people reach out to you because they know you've walked through it and they want to share too. Right. So you talked a little bit about your faith and just like, 
you knew that God had a purpose and that you were going to rely on God and that you needed God to get through that grief. Was your faith impacted in any other way? I mean, as you were wrestling through that, I know you were also going through things with your own body and just the trauma of all of that happening at once. Um, but did you feel like your relationship with God changed during that season? And, and what did you learn about God during that time? Hmm. Yeah. So one of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes is pain makes us put away our toys. And the reason I like that quote so much is because I relate to it because for me, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, um, I tend to be the type that when things are going well, I'm like super sufficient and I can handle things on my own. And my prayer life is not great. And um, I tend to, you know, skip out on my Bible reading and I just think I can just handle stuff, you know, and, and I tend to run towards the, the little temporary things that make me happy versus digging deep for that, that peace, that soul peace and that joy that only God can give regardless of our circumstances. And so, like I said, God in his grace, I think allows and I'm speaking for myself, and I do believe this to be true for, for all of us in some way, shape, or form, but he does allow trials in our life because he, for those who love him, he works all things for good. So I trust that even in the difficult circumstances, he's working something out in me. Um, and usually that's because he wants me to put away the things that I turn to and that are not him, because ultimately they will not be for my good. Even my own self-sufficiency and my own plans and my own um, adequacy and stuff like that. And so I love that quote, pain makes us put away our toys. And I truly believe in this season for me, looking back, um, it was one of those times where I was like, okay, God, I, I remember like you are who I need. You are my adequacy, not my husband not my kids, not my plans for the future. You hold my life together. Like I am so vulnerable. Before. Absolutely. Yes. Like even my pregnancy, like I can only do so much. Um, but ultimately God, you put breath in my lungs and you cause my heart to beat and you know, you give and take away. And I may not understand the side of heaven, the side of the kingdom, like why you allowed what you did but I get to choose right now to trust you. I get to choose to remember that you are for my good and that you love me. Um, and that those other things aren't going to satisfy like you will, even the good things. And I can tend to put them in, in and I, and I know this to be true. Anytime we make good things, God things, it's never for our good either. And so even some of the good things like having children and getting pregnant and, um, you know, getting married and you name it, like if it becomes something that, um, I, I turn to for my joy and happiness and my peace or purpose and apart from Christ, then I'm in for trouble because some of those things can let you down. Um, only Christ um, will be there. And, um, and so I, I think this was another reminder for me, Ashley, that like God's, God's the one in control of even the life inside of me and uh, my plans for the future. And, um, and I shared this with you before we started talking, but um, I've always loved Psalms 139. And I know this is like the key chapter for your <laughs> ministry and it's so appropriate, um, but I clung to the words of David. Um, and in fact, I memorized this chapter and I am not one to memorize scripture. Like I'm horrible at memorizing <laughs> scripture. 
I just wait. The girl I, reads your Bible. Is <laughs> I read it. I read I know. My I'm just kidding. I, I know. I'm really. I don't have a good memory either. <laughs> I just don't. I mean, when I was a kid, I could, and I and I and that's a good thing if you can get your kids to memorize as much as they can because it does sink in. But um, yeah, my memory is just not great anymore. But but I do remember thinking I have got to just let this seep into my soul right now. And, and I just clung to it. It was literally a balm for my soul during this time. And it was part of my grieving process is, um, these words. Um, and I think some of it, there are a couple of verses that really stood out to me. And that was one thirty nine fourteen. of course, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb for, I praise you. I praise you for, I am fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance and your book were written every one of them and the days that were formed for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. And I could go on, but I think it was this idea that like, you know, this little baby was truly a life. Um, you know, the world, the culture wants us to think that it's not, I think deep down inside, most people, most mothers would know that it's not, um, end of the day. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it was just such a perfect reminder for me during those days that like God was knitting together, purposely designing there was nothing he did that was imperfect in that moment. He knew exactly the way he was going to, we named our baby Caleb. We found out the gender when we had the genetic test done because it was a connection for me, but God knew Caleb. God knew that, um, he was going to have twice the amount of chromosomes and that he was going to take Caleb back to be with him immediately. And, and something that was so helpful for me was to know that like, he never had to suffer in this world, mm-hmm. the way that we do because of the effects of sin. Like, and, and this probably for you too, because you know, when Bridget was taken to the Lord, it's like you know, like they get to experience perfection immediately. Right. And that's what it will be. And if we truly cling to the words of Christ that um for me to be away from the body is to be present with the Lord, like we trust this to be true. And it really takes us back to the core of our faith. Do I believe Jesus that you are the savior of the world, that you exist, that you are for us, that we will get to be with you someday because of what you did on the cross, and that you are preparing a place for us that is unimaginable. And we gotta trust. We gotta trust. I mean, our faith becomes so real in that moment because we're so um, acquainted with our, our just vulnerability and our mortality. Um, and so I think it was just so helpful to know that this was a baby that was fearfully and wonderfully made and knitted together in the womb, not outside mm-hmm. of the womb, not when it was, took its first breath, but like inside the womb. And I will meet that baby. You will meet Bridget someday. Like yes. we'll meet, um, our, our babies that are no longer with us presently. And then just the thought also in Psalms 139, um, over and over, God is telling us that we are, we are precious to him and that he understands our thoughts. He understands our ways at the beginning of the chapter. Um, the Lord, we know that he has searched us and he's known us and everything that we do when we sit down and when we rise up, he discerns our thoughts. He searches out our past. He's acquainted with our ways. It's like, he is in the details. 
Mm-hmm. And I needed, my heart needed to hear that then. Like I needed to know that God knew I was hurting. I needed to know that God understood and that nothing had escaped him and that um, he was there with me. Um, and that he, every single thought I had, every pain, every tear, like he was in the midst of it. And so this chapter, I just feel like it was like specifically inspired for these mamas that lose yes. babies. I, I agree. Love that this is your ministry um, chapter. So it was definitely something that was so helpful. Yes. I love that. And like you mentioned about leaving the brokenness of this earth and going straight to heaven, you know, to go from a mother's womb where all the baby knows is love to right seeing the face of Jesus. Um, you know, as much as our mama hearts want our children on earth with us and we we grieve that and we want that to know that she's never going to have the effects of sin of, of being tempted to sin or, you know, the evil that we see in this world and the corruption of this world, like she it gets to bypass all of that. And actually when I was studying in the book, um, in Job, I was, I realized there was a verse in there where Job, you know, having, having gone through all of this suffering, he actually says something to the effect of, why wasn't I like the infant that hadn't seen the sun? Like, why wasn't I stillborn? He was basically saying like, I wish I would have died um, in the womb, which when I read that at first, I was kind of offended because I'm like, why would anyone wish that? You know, why would you want that? Um, but he was saying like, I've gone through immense suffering and I just want to go be with my Lord. And that kind of gave me that perspective of knowing, you know, there's so much good to come in the perfect paradise where we, you know, we will one day be with Jesus. And, uh, I think it was the late Billy Graham that said, um, if we could only just for a split second, see the glory of heaven, we would never want our loved ones to come back to this broken earth. You know, right. we can't fathom or mm-hmm. imagine how beautiful and wonderful it is in a place without sin and death and in the presence of God. And so I think just having that perspective and when you go through something like this, when you've had a miscarriage or um, experienced stillbirth or infant loss, I think you just start thinking of these things. I don't know if you felt the same way, but you start thinking more about your own mortality and about death and in, in heaven because you're more intimately connected to heaven because your child is there and you long for heaven even more. Right. Absolutely. And I, I was going to say too, with what you were saying about when you're in those seasons where you feel, you know, everything's going well and you don't feel like you need to depend on God. I think what came to mind when you were saying that was when things are going well and going according to our plan, I think we have a sense of this false sense of control that, oh, we're controlling everything. Like everything's good. I don't need God. I have it under control. But then as soon as like a trial or a loss or something happens, all of a sudden we're like, we're not in control. We don't, we don't have control. If we could have prevented this or fixed this, we would have, but really we were never in control to to begin with. And so I think for me, and I, I don't know if you felt the same way I realized going through this, I don't have control with Bridget's life, with my living children now, um, with anything. And so surrendering and having that intimacy with God and realizing you know, I never really did have that control when things are going well, we think we did. And I think 2020 is kind of the example where everybody felt like 
our normalcy and we had control. And then it was like, all of that went out the window and people realized, no, we actually don't, don't have a lot of control over a lot of things. And as hard as that is to navigate, there's beauty in surrendering and realizing God is all that I need. And I'm going to depend on him for everything. Yeah. Yeah. My, my pastor in Texas always said this and I thought it was so good. If dependence is the goal, then weakness is the advantage. Absolutely. Dependence is the goal. Weakness is the advantage. And at first you're like, no, I don't think I want weakness, but, but, but truly like, you know, it is our, it should be our goal to daily trust the Lord, to daily be dependent upon him. So anything that causes us to realize our weakness, just like Paul and Philippians, like anything that would cause us to realize that we are weak um, and he is strong is, is, is a, is a blessing. It really is. I know it doesn't feel like it sometimes, um, but it truly is. And that's when we have to trust, trust the Lord. Yeah. In the moment when you're going through pain, your gut feeling as a human, because we don't like to be in pain. We don't want to feel it. We want to escape it. We want to get out. We question, why is this happening to me? But I think as you have time to walk with the Lord and to heal, and you start having this perspective of eternity and suffering's place in eternity, and Jesus himself suffered and what his life on earth looked like, I think then you can look back on it and say, you know what? I wish that wouldn't have happened. I, that's not how I would have written my story, but I'm really thankful that God walked me through this. And then I grew in my relationship with him and in my understanding of his word and his story and my life. And I can count it all joy because of the coming glory that's to come in heaven. And this life is such a vapor and it's going to be in a blink of an eye. It's going to be over. Just, I mean, I use this example when I talk to bereaved moms at support groups, you know, we think of Bridget's life as being like such a vapor, a mist. She didn't get to take a breath on this earth, but really in comparison to eternity, so is mine. I mean, you really wouldn't even be able to compare my little blip on this earth to her little blip because in the grand scheme of eternity, thousands and thousands and thousands of years, um, it's nothing. And so just looking at it, that, that perspective to know that, the time that we'll get to spend with our babies in heaven is so much greater than the short years that we had or short, you know, time where we were just carrying them in our wombs, but didn't get to hold them in our arms on earth. And there's so much good to come and so much we can look forward to because of the hope of Jesus. We hope you are enjoying this episode so far. We wanted to take a quick break to tell you about some other hope-filled resources our ministry provides to grieving families. On our website, bridgetscradles.com, you can find many resources on grieving and healing, including memorial ideas, quotes in scripture, blog articles, featured stories, recommended books, and other support organizations. We share ideas on how to navigate difficult days, such as due dates, heaven days, and holidays. We also have a page with ideas on how to care for a friend or family member who has experienced pregnancy loss. In addition, every month I lead free Christ-centered support groups for bereaved moms called Hope Gatherings, both in person and online. You can find a list of upcoming dates and sign up for our next support group on our website. You can also join our private Cradled in Hope Facebook group for grieving moms to find friendship and support. We would be honored to hear your baby's story and be praying for you by name. Lastly, our Pinterest page has beautiful graphics of quotes and scripture from this episode 
along with many other resources that you can pin and save. We would also love for you to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us on these three pages, Bridget's Cradles, Cradled in Hope, and my personal page, Ashley Opliger. We'd love for you to follow along and spread the word about the Cradled in Hope podcast. Now let's get back to our episode. I want to share um, with our audience about the ministry that you started, Women Repurposed, which is discipling women and really encouraging women to be in the word and growing closer to God through studying his scriptures. And so I just, I know that the ministry itself is not specific to grief, but obviously being in his word and staying connected to truth um, in the grieving process is so important. So if you could just share a little bit more about your ministry and how staying in the word, and I know you shared this with Psalm 139, but how for our listeners, for a mom, that's just you know, gone into her appointment and found out there's no heartbeat or had a little stillborn baby. Um, how would you say, you know, getting into the word and staying connected to God, um, and sharing a little bit more about what women repurpose is all about. So one thing that I'm really passionate about is encouraging women to get in their Bibles. Um, it's always been something because for me, that has been really transformative. It is God's uh, love letter to us. It is his story um, about him. And I honestly believe the more we fixate our minds on him, um, the more peace we have, as opposed to like fixating on our own struggles and our own problems. I think that is so key um, abiding in his word. And he tells us to do that. You know, that's how we get fruit is we abide in him. And the way we do that is we abide in his words. I mean, Jesus is the word in a sense manifests to us. So I, I feel very strongly about that. So women repurposed, um, is a ministry that kind of grew out of that passion that I've, I've had. And I have an amazing team of five of us now that kind of work together. We have a podcast called truth be told in 10 and Ashley, you were on that, um, this last month. And so that was really fun. But, um, our idea is to give short little podcasts that will help women take some of their daily struggles And um, how do we apply those to our minds, our head, heart, and our hands? Um, And our tagline is to love God, learn truth, and live transformed. And so I do believe that as we spend time in his word and we learn the truth in his word and and that love grows in our hearts. So as it grows in our minds and grows in our hearts, it will translate to a transformed life. Um, over time. And so that's kind of the hands, the head, heart, and hands. And so we do kind of take all those things, all those struggles that we have, and we kind of pass it along that framework and um, try to talk about those things in our blogs and our and our podcasts. And so um, that's been a lot of fun. God's just provided, like I said, an amazing group of women um, that are working really hard to kind of put together some great content Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's the ministry and, um, you can find us online at womenrepurpose.com and we have a newsletter that goes out every two weeks. We have a little shop, um, which has been a lot of fun and probably we'll continue to put together some more, um, content, maybe some studies in the future. Um, I have a book that came out and the, the blogs ongoing with that kind of coincide with the podcast. So, so yeah, that's been a lot of fun. I love that. I love the head, heart, and hands because, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to kind of try to talk through this in terms of grief. So the way I see it is, 
you know, when you're grieving and you go to his word, you have your head, you're reading it, you're learning truth, right? And so you have this knowledge, okay, this is who Jesus is. This is a story. This is God's love letter and his story of redemption from creating the earth to, you know, the brokenness of sin coming into the world to him dying on the cross and giving us the faith, you know, hope in him. And then one day he'll redeem this earth and in heaven. And so the way I think of it when you're grieving is you're reading this and you're like, okay, this is, if I'm going to choose that, this is going to be true. I'm going to believe this is true. I believe Jesus is who he said he is. Then that does change your heart because then you're like, oh my goodness, if he is giving me the salvation, I have this hope to live forever. And um, I get to see my baby again, that changes your heart. Right. And when you have that feeling in your heart and you, that love for God of my goodness, I did not deserve this, but you have given me such a great gift. Like what better gift could you give me than the hope to see my baby again? In terms of being a grieving mom, I don't think there's any other gift or any other hope or any other comfort that could be better than that. And so when your heart feels that, then that's where the hands come in. Because I think once you have that appreciation and gratitude toward God and that feeling of, wow, Lord, you've done this for me. And I have this amazing hope. You can't not then go and live a transformed life and do something with your hands. And, and you obviously know my story and starting the nonprofit, but that doesn't mean that every mom that's lost a baby needs to start a nonprofit, but there's something that God can do through you, whether it's their time, their talents, um, you know, resources that you have. Um, I just am so passionate about talking to women about how can God use your grief for good and for his glory and finding purpose, you know, in your pain, because I think it's a natural feeling for anyone when you've gone through pain to want something good to come from it. Right. We don't want to to have just a go in vain. Um, but when you're a Christian, you want that pain to be used for his glory and for his kingdom and for helping others. And so I just love that about your ministry, that it's, going into the word and having it change your heart and then having a radically changed life where you're out and discipling people and loving people, comforting people. So I just love that. I love what you're doing. And I hope that everyone will go and check out her website. I was blessed to get to write a blog for it about um, what I learned about God's character through my loss. And so if you want to check that out too, but there's just so many wonderful blog posts and resources on her website. Um, you mentioned the book that you wrote, Chasing Perfect. Um, I love it. I have it here. And this book is about chasing Jesus. So um, perfect, you're talking about Jesus. He's perfect. Instead of hustling, um, the, you know, hustling for perfection in earth, on earth, and just that kind of culture that we have. Um, you actually had a meme, right, that went viral. And um, I'm just going to read it. But it says, you can eat all the kale, buy all the things, lift all the weights, take all the trips, trash all that doesn't spark joy, wash your face and hustle like mad. But if you don't rest your soul in Jesus, you'll never find peace and purpose. And I just love that so much. And I know so many people have resonated with that online. Um, but I was reading and there was another part of the book that resonated with me when it comes to grieving you talked about, you know, just our culture of being busy. We're, we're busy people. We have full schedules. We like to do all the things like your meme was talking about. You said busy is what we do with our bodies, but hurried is what happens to our souls. And when we're hurried, we compensate by speeding everything along. We just want to get through it or past it or around it. 
and anxiety creeps in on us and we lack peace and contentment. Mm -hmm. And so that word peace, you know, tasting perfect peace, which is Jesus. Um, when it comes to grieving, I think there's so many women that because, especially if it was an early loss people, there's this cultural, uh, pressure that's there of, you need to just move on. You need to get past it. You shouldn't be grieving. Just pretend everything's okay. Get back to normal. And I think we're so good at hurrying through grief and pretending that it doesn't happen and that, you know, that it's not affecting us and pushing that pain down. And so I just wanted you to speak to that a little bit about when you're writing that in the book. And then as it pertains to the conversation we're having about why it's important to slow down when you're grieving and why, you know, that really will allow you to heal in the long run. Yeah. I think this is a really important thing to talk about, Ashley, because our culture is all about hustle, right? Like, um, we almost like equate our worth with our productivity and how quickly we can do and how much we can accomplish. And so I think we turn busy into this like badge of honor, right? (laughs) The more busy you are, um, the more worthy you are. Um, and maybe, maybe you don't think you feel that way, but really if, if you're honest, if I'm honest with myself, um, it's really hard for me just to sit still. (laughs) It's hard for me to pause. Me too. Um, And you know, you think about it, life really, it is busy. I mean, we have to live life. There's responsibilities that we have. Um, we don't all get to just, uh, you know, sit back on the hammock and kick our feet up and, you know, I mean, that's amazing. And that's awesome. And I hope we do take vacations and that we get to pause, but life does carry responsibility. Even Jesus had responsibility on earth. And so, you know, I always used to struggle with, well, what does it really look like to rest in Christ? Because we still have to, to live life. Um, but I, I do think that there's a difference between busy and hurry. And in the book, I do kind of unpack this idea because I think busy is actually what happens in our lives, but hurry is what happens in our hearts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a person could be really busy with their life and doing a lot, but in their soul, they are at peace. In their soul, um, they are um, content and satisfied and joyful. I didn't say happy because I don't believe we're always happy with those feelings. Like you said, feelings come and go. They're real, but they're not reliable. (laughs) Um, And so I think, but I'm talking about what happens deep down inside. And I think that a person can be somewhat busy in their life and experience that shalom peace um, because of Christ, because it's not dependent on circumstance. Um, However, I think a person can be not busy in their life at all and be completely discontent and not have peace. And so I'm not sure that busy is a good indicator of what's happening deep down in our hearts, if that makes sense at all. Um, but, um, but I do think that God establishes rhythms and he did that from creation. He said, you're going to, I'm going to show you, cause I'm going to create the world in six days and the seventh day, I'm going to rest and enjoy it. And he, he also set up rhythms for his people, Israel, of certain days that they would, um, in seasons that they would take off and rest and rest the land. And he forced that upon them because I think he knew that Sabbath day, that time was important for our flourishing, for human flourishing. And so I think rhythms are really important thing. And to get back with, to grief on that, um, I think grief is the same way. I think, um, God, and you can probably speak to this better than me, Ashley, because this is kind of your world, but, 
um, you know, I know there's stages that you kind of have to go through. And I think that's probably wired into us that God wired the, that process. in. and, and if you hurry that along, and I think, like I said, I think our culture is all about hurry, get to the next thing, get past it. Um, you know, we're doing ourselves a, doing ourselves a disservice, um, because I don't think that's how God created us. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that too. Yeah, absolutely. I think, just rest, like I loved what you said, just resting in the Lord and having that peace. And in grief, it's hard to rest because you have to sit in that sadness and feel it. And like I mentioned, you know, we're human. We don't like to feel that. And sometimes it can be scary when you're sitting in really deep, dark depression or really dark and sad grief. But I think there is something to be said about resting in it so that God can sit in it with you. If you open your heart to him, sitting in your, with you and loving on your broken heart, you know? And so I love that you said that just resting in Christ. I think that's where we find our peace in the middle of the heartbreak, because I know I had so many different times through my grieving journey, even on the day that Bridget was born, which was the most heartbreaking day of my life, Mm. having the little cradle and my mom, you know, putting her in the cradle and getting to love on her even in that moment, I felt peace and I felt love and almost even joy because it was like, here I was getting to love on my daughter that I love so much. And the the world wouldn't understand that because it was like, I was in the middle of the worst and darkest day, but at the same time was feeling this deep, deep love and joy of, I get to spend this time with my precious daughter. And that's where that peace that surpasses all understanding comes from. And it comes from Jesus that he can sit in those really, really painful days with you and just hold your hand and carry you through those days. And even since her birth, there's been moments like that, where when it came time for her due date or for her heaven day, days that I anticipated would be so hard. And I walked the week leading up to that day with just so much like anticipatory grief but then the day came and there God was, I mean, why was I so surprised? Right. But he was there and he gave me this peace and he walked through it with me. And so I just love that. And I love that your book is just focused on chasing Jesus above all things in this world. You know, the world cannot satisfy, there's no coping mechanism apart from Christ that can really heal our hearts and give us the hope that we long for. And so thank you so much for just reminding us of that truth and encouraging us to be in the word and anchored to the hope of Christ. I'm so thankful for you just sharing your story and sharing all of the wisdom that you've learned along the way. Well, it's so great to talk to you, Ashley. I could talk to you all day. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pleasure for me. So thanks for having me on and yeah, I'm just praying for all these ladies that are listening. I know God um, knows he hears your prayers. He understands what you're going through and um, he is dependable. He loves you. He cares. Um, And I believe just like we said earlier that he will turn all of our pain um, into a, a purpose that is beyond what we could possibly imagine. And we may not know right away, but I do believe he will work all things together for good. If we keep focusing on him, if we keep um, abiding in him and anchoring in him and his word, um, he will not fail us. 
And, um, you know, Job knew that. And I was thinking about this too, Ashley. And I just want to say this real quick because I know we're wrapping things up. But Jesus, when his friend Lazarus died, he wept. He wept. There was grief there in his humanity. He felt pain. And if the savior of the world, the God of the universe and human flesh needed to go through those feelings and thought it was okay to feel those things, it certainly is okay, if not helpful for us to grieve through these processes. And I know that he feels those things with us yeah, um, because he loves us. Oh, I just want every single woman listening to know and believe that God loves you so much, so much. Um, and if you anchor yourself into anything, um, and, and speak truth into your heart on any message, it is reminding yourself, we got to be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, because if we miss that, we miss everything. So that's my prayer and my hope, um, for every woman that's listening today, that they would remind themselves over and over again, that God is good, that he cares and that he loves he loves you. Like you said, mentioning Jesus's own humanity, crying the, you know, before he died and went through the crucifixion, he was crying and crying out to God saying, take this cup for me. And so, and, you know, and he knew the plan and he knew, you know, what good would come from the cross. But for us as humans, when we go through things, it's okay to question. It's okay to not want this to be part of our lives. But when we submit to God and we keep our eyes focused on heaven and on that hope, he will, he will bring good from it. And I, I believe that. And I just love that Alicia, that you want to remind every mom how much they are loved and how God loves their precious little baby in heaven is holding them now. And that's when we say cradled in hope, I think God is cradling our babies in heaven as he cradles us in hope on earth. And so thank you. Thank you for listening to the Cradled in Hope podcast. We pray that you found hope and healing in today's message. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. New episodes will be shared on the 1st and 15th of every month. You can also find this episode's show notes in a full transcript on our website at bridgetscradles.com backslash podcast. There, you can download a free PDF for each episode called The Hope Guide that is filled with notes, scripture, links, discussion questions, and so much more. Be sure to leave your email address so that we can keep you updated on podcast episodes, upcoming support groups, and other hope-filled resources. If you're interested in volunteering or donating to Bridget's Cradles in memory of a baby in heaven, you can find information on our website on how you can get involved and spread hope to other grieving families. One way you can spread hope is by leaving a review of this podcast on iTunes. Consider the two minutes of your time as a way you can personally share this hope with a mom whose heart is broken and needs healing. Thank you so much for listening and sharing. Until next time, we will be praying for you. And remember, as Jesus cradles our babies in heaven, he cradles us in hope. Though we may grieve, we do not grieve without hope. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.